Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here, and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life, that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows, all of it. I think we're going to have a good time, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it, and I hope you come back. This episode, episode number 33, is entitled COVID-19 Isolation and Some Breakthroughs. Well, you're going to hear about some breakthroughs on a couple of different levels. You're definitely going to hear about some COVID-19 isolation. It's uh, been an interesting time here at the Shelburne household. I guess you could call it the Shelburne household or the Shelburne Hospital, or if you want to be a little trendy and maybe retro at the same time, the Sanatorium at Shelburneshire. I don't know uh, exactly what to call it. I think you could call it a cave in some senses because I feel like I just crawled out of one that I've been in for a couple of weeks or three. It's been interesting, and interesting is uh, maybe the best word to kind of let you go both directions with this thing. Anyway, it sure has been. I'm going to try to give you a little bit of the story here. If I say anything having to do with time, take it with a grain of salt. Time is pretty much stopped, stood still, warped, contracted. Time has been really kind of a jinky thing during a lot of this, and you can well understand that if you've been sick yourself or if you've been in a hospital or whatever. You know, sometimes when the the time markers that we are accustomed to are taken away, and if you had a little fever and that kind of thing, it really gets kind of weird. And this has been. Anyway, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, and she spent most of the time there, attended a really sweet event. It was a neat thing. And yet we discovered uh, pretty quickly after she got home that there was also a virus that attended. And yeah, you guessed it. COVID-19, and your money would not go far wrong if you just placed it all on Delta variety. All of that was, again, interesting. A couple of folks, well, more than that, uh, four or five, I guess, before it's all said and done, got sick. The interesting thing is that most of them had been vaccinated. That was interesting. And uh, again, I keep using that word, don't I? We think we know the reason for that. My wife and her sister are both taking some immunosuppressant medications. If you look on the CDC side, if you talk to most of your doctors, they'll tell you that it's possible that the coverage of some of the vaccines can be lessened by taking immunosuppressants. And if you are, you know, you just need to kind of take that into account. You know, even though we're over a year into this, People are still learning, and folks who really, really will learn some things and have done a whole lot of the study and the work and the research and put the years in to have a right to an opinion that matters and are not just spouting politically. A lot of these folks are going to learn an awful lot, and we'll talk about that just a little bit later. In any case, we were kind of surprised, but maybe we, I don't know how surprised we should have been, that... Several of us who were vaccinated ended up sick. 
two of the folks who got sick ended up in the hospital. And so it got a little bit serious. She'd been home a few days and she started getting sick. And then we started watching, you know, she was just becoming more and more miserable. Well, miserable is not usually fatal, but then you start watching the stuff like the oxygen sat, you know, we have one of those pulse oximeters. I think we've got two now just to be sure. And anyway, she, we were watching that and the numbers were eh, low, but as the days went on, they got a little bit lower and we got a little concerned about it. I'm not talking about super low numbers. I'm not talking about the kind of numbers that they look at and say straight to the ICU, but they were not where they really needed to be. And as we became very much aware, you know, it's easier to get those things up when they're not super, super low than it is to get them up when they're super, super low and you've ended up uh, waiting too long and you ended up on a vent and, you know, that kind of thing. And so between uh, kids who were concerned and uh, one son who's a fire captain and deals with this kind of stuff and uh, medical stuff a lot, and our doctor who we called and said, you know, we're not sure about this. It's kind of not feeling great and all of, all of it together. And the fact that my wife did not fuss when we started talking a little bit about the emergency room, usually she would have fussed and said, oh, I don't think that's necessary, you know, et cetera. Well, she didn't say that. So we went to the emergency room. Now we've got a good emergency room here, but it was really time. Probably they were, we knew what they were going to do if we went here. And so we just went on to a large emergency room about 70 miles away in a larger city there. And it worked out okay. It was a good decision, but I will tell you, and you know this, if you've spent much time at a very large emergency room, this is not a fun thing to do. If you weren't sick when you went in, you would certainly feel sick when you got out. And we went in, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of the story here. We went in and uh, before we went in, actually, I called and said, we're on the way, we're coming. My wife tested positive a few days ago for COVID. What do we do? And they said, oh, wear masks when you get there, but just come on in, go straight to the counter, tell them there at the window that she's COVID positive and we'll take it from there. So that's what we did. And we go in and I think when they take her immediately back, I'm thinking, okay, at least we're not going to be waiting here all night. You need to be careful what you think. They took her back and they did some assessment and they did oh, a few things that needed to be done and told her, yeah, we'll be doing a chest x-ray in a little while. Now, we haven't spent a lot of time in emergency rooms over the years, but anybody who's spent any time in almost any emergency room over the years knows that a little while means probably in the middle of the night if you're not really, really lucky. Well, we expected it would mean probably in the middle of the night, and we were not disappointed in that expectation. They sent us out into the regular waiting area, and we waited, and we waited. Now, I need to set this up just a little bit. And in all of this, I want to be fair to these folks. This is, again, this is the highest level of trauma type of emergency room that exists. This is a county hospital type thing. 
it is though incredibly you know well equipped high tech the folks are really up on what they're doing all of that it's it's incredible the people were amazingly nice some of them just uh, honestly astounded me one of the nurses i remember who came out uh, was just sweet as she could be and she was emptying trash and i said Boy, you went to school a long time for that, didn't you? And she said, well, yeah, I could be a little overqualified on this, but we all have to pull our weight and we do what we have to do. And she was smiling and, and just really handling it very well. It was a weeknight. I'm so thankful it was a weeknight. We didn't have many people around us who decided that the best thing they could do would be stab each other or maybe get ticked off at each other as they're selling drugs or have drug overdoses or do things like that. We didn't have a lot of that going on. Did have one guy sitting next to me that I don't know, or sitting on the other side of me, who I don't know what in the world was going on with him exactly, but he was in some kind of serious pain. I thought he was going to pull the arms off that chair. And so that's what you have when you go into an emergency room like that. What's also interesting is we were beginning to see the COVID numbers kick back up because of the Delta variant. We'd all been hearing about this, and sure enough, that uh, was starting to happen. And so they had a walled-off section, a glass-walled-off section at the end of the emergency room waiting room now, I know they call these things emergency departments now, so I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm very up on this kind of thing. I just can't say it. So I'll be calling it an emergency room. They had a walled off section at the end of the emergency room. It was walled off by glass. And there were, it was a smaller section and there were fewer chairs in there, but probably 25 or 30, I'd guess. This I refer to as the leper colony. There was an opening at one end of that area where there would have been a door had there been a door. There was not a door. I asked about this, and they said, well, we use, what's the right word, positive or negative airflow, to keep the little beasties in here and not out of here. They didn't use the word beastie, but, you know, bad, bad stuff. So my wife, and all of us had masks on, my wife is sitting just inside the leper colony, with, at most during that evening, four or five lepers, including her. I'm sitting just outside that opening of the leper colony so that we can talk when we feel like it. And boy, she was not feeling good. And uh, it was almost like being in church. I felt really bad for her. I was watching her head just kind of flop down onto her chest. She really needed to be asleep. This is not a healthy thing. It was miserable, but there's not much that we could do about that. So we were sitting there. I was listening to a book on my phone and maybe reading a little bit occasionally and all of that and trying to do anything I could do to, to help her, but there really wasn't much. They check vitals every now and then, you know, make sure nobody passed away sitting out there. They're really way on top of things and they're nicer than that, but you know what I mean. The funny thing is that if anybody in the leper colony needed to walk around and go to the restroom, which was outside of the leper colony, they just got up, walked around, and took care of that, and then walked back into the leper colony. The folks that were in charge there, the workers in the emergency room, all, of course, were wearing masks and being careful in that regard, but not a massive amount of personal protective gear at least the ones that I could see. I'm sure back, yes, in the treatment rooms they were. 
But in any case, that's kind of the situation. And that's kind of the situation for the whole night, all night long. We got there at about 11 that evening, I remember. We, at about, uh, oh, I don't know, 2.30 or so, uh, were rousted a little bit, as she was called for an x-ray. They took her back into the x-ray, brought her back to the leper colony. Then at about 5.45, we get a call, a page, whatever. Her name is called, and they take her back to a treatment room. And that is where the game kind of changed. At that point, I couldn't go back with her. That's reasonable. Again, we're talking COVID sorts of things here and precautions. I couldn't go back with her myself. And so I waited there for a while to get her. She was going to call back out to me and tell me what was going on. We had our phones and all that was working okay. So I waited a while. And then I finally decided, you know, I guess I could go sit in the car, which was outside in the van there, and be a little more comfortable, be a lot more comfortable. And so I went out to the van at, uh, you know, somewhere around six or so and waited just a little while. And then she called out and said, well, they're going to keep me. And uh, here's what we know at this point. The chest x-ray is not bad at all. It's, it's showing clear, but they're hearing some crackles and stuff. And so they were going to admit her. And of course, I couldn't even, I could go back in with her stuff. We were smart enough that we'd packed stuff for her to take. And for me also, in case I needed to spend the night over there somewhere, but uh, so I brought her stuff to her and the nurse was sweet enough to come out to the security area there and pick it up and get it to her. And they took her upstairs. She needed to be there. We didn't doubt that. And so there is the relief that comes from knowing that you're getting the help that you need or your loved one is. But I will tell you, I've got so much more sympathy and I had a lot already. I've got so much more sympathy for those who went through weeks of this, for those who went maybe with their loved one to the hospital and then had to turn around at the door, for those who didn't see their loved one alive again on uh, this side of things, I've got a lot of sympathy for those who went through this kind of siege for months and, you know, ventilators and all of that stuff. Oh, I've got a lot more sympathy. And I tell you, that's just a about as rough as it gets. So I really, really uh, pray for the Lord to be with those who may be going through that kind of thing right now. Certainly for those who have gone through that kind of thing and for those who are still dealing with the sorrow when uh, all of this went the way that they surely didn't want it to go. But that was our experience there that night. So she was up in the room. We were communicating over our phones and we decided pretty quickly that if I was going to be banished, I might as well be banished at home. And so it felt weird and not good, but uh, I went ahead and just drove the 70 miles back home and they got her kind of ensconced there upstairs in the room finally and got her on some oxygen and all of that kind of went on then for four days. She became better, at least moving in the right direction pretty quickly. The oxygen helped and I just am so glad. You know, this stuff is treacherous. Your oxygen levels can be getting way down and the patient won't even realize how bad things are getting. And when they get down to a certain point, hey, I'm not a physician, but I'll tell you, it just makes sense, doesn't it? When it gets down to a certain point, it gets really, really hard to get it built back up and you don't want to wait too long. And so we were in the midst of all of that. 
four days that she stayed there and I was able to eventually go back and just pick her up on the following Saturday when she was released. By that time, let's switch the focus just a hair here. By that time, I had tested positive. Now, I pretty much knew that I was getting sick. I'll tell you when. It was on a Tuesday night, that Tuesday night, when I was taking her over to the emergency room. In the vehicle on the way over, I started feeling the drainage and some of that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I don't like this. But I think this is moving in, uh, well, this direction for me, too. So we didn't talk a whole lot about that. But uh, anyway, we got everything done on, on the other end. By the time I got home, I was not feeling as great. And then on the following Friday, I tested positive. So you may ask, well, how did you go pick her up when you tested positive? I wasn't feeling all that horrible at that point. I knew I needed to quarantine slash isolate. I also knew that I could stay in the van and not step out of it. I knew they wouldn't let me step out of it into the hospital. I was not planning to step out of it and did not go into any store, et cetera, et cetera, on the way over there. I just went up to the door, opened the door of the van. My wife got in and we came home and were thus able to be miserable together for a number of additional days. But at least we were together. At least we knew things were moving in the right direction for her. And yeah, they went south for me a little bit, but not so much that I needed to be in the hospital. I just needed to be away from human beings. The isolation was not only medical, it was to prevent me from being too surly to living human beings. Whether or not it worked is another question. But this stuff is not fun. Now that's just a little window into our experience on the first end of this stuff and kind of into the middle of it for us. It is not an experience that I encourage you to try in any way to repeat. Boy, there's so many blessings that we have that we don't know even to be thankful for normally, do we? Maybe we do at times, but we just blow by and then all of a sudden we see that a particular blessing could be lost or that this blessing that we've taken for granted could be certainly lessened and uh, times get difficult. And then we realize how good we've got it. And I hope we realize the one who gives us such blessings, uh, how worthy he is of our praise and our thanksgiving. In the middle of all of this hard time, one of the things that we recognized immediately was the incredible love of our church family, of our friends around us, of the Christians that we're a part of, and those who bless us in so many ways all around us in our church and others. I am so thankful for the community in which we live. I'm thankful for our family. So many, many, many things to be thankful for. All the great blessings and the ways that people have shown their care for us have been utterly amazing. Really, really thankful for that. Of course, we don't understand, do we, how grateful we really should be for our health until we lose it. And I know that has always been the case. We're told way back, for example, in Luke chapter 5, and here's one of those stories of Jesus' healings that I've always loved. We're told while Jesus was in one of the villages, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. I picked this one because of the lepers. 
my wife and those in the COVID glass there, and later I joined the leper colony myself, not officially behind the COVID glass, but officially as far as the test went, you know, I became one of the lepers myself. I understand a little bit more, although really seriously trying to compare anything that we went through to what this guy must have gone through is just like comparing, I guess, a firecracker with a nuclear explosion. This guy was isolated totally from family, from friends, from loved ones. This guy was in horrible shape with no hope whatsoever that it could get better until Jesus came. A man came to him who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. What a beautiful healing. How thankful that man must have been. How thankful all of us are for the kind of healing that Jesus brings. However, he brings it. Now, Jesus did ask this guy, if you know the rest of the story, don't tell anybody. Go show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifices that uh, Moses, the law of Moses, commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And yet, well, the news spread and people began to just throng around Jesus. And that's an amazing story there in Luke chapter 5. I want to talk about this stuff just a little bit more. But at this point, let me share a little bit of an ad with you. Not a big deal, and just a short one today. But I want to invite you to take advantage of something that's free. If you would, go to my website, say www.curtisshelburn.com, and there's some good free things there that you can find. Now, there's some music there and stuff that's not free. There's some stuff that you can buy, and oh, it's just incredibly priced. Uh, Not free, but incredibly priced. And yes, There are some things there that are free. You can go and read a whole bunch of the blogs that form the basis for a lot of these podcasts. You can listen to a whole bunch of the rest of these podcasts. There's just lots of things you can listen to, samples of music and that kind of thing for free. But the thing I really have in mind today is the Christian Appeal magazine. My brother and I, my brother Gene and I, have been working with the Christian Appeal, a little devotional magazine that comes out monthly for lots of years now. And if you're interested in that magazine, if you'd like to have a monthly subscription, it is absolutely free. And you can go to www.christianappeal, no space, .christianappeal.com and check it out, christianappeal.com. You can find there all of our back issues for 60 plus years. You can find some really cool things that I think you might enjoy reading there. And there are a couple of links that you might find enjoyable there as well. But I'm just telling you, send us a submission on the contact form and we'll be happy to put your name on the mailing list absolutely for free. One of the things you might want to check out in this regard is that last year during the summer and that time around some of the initial pandemic difficulty, my brother Gene wrote four issues worth of essays regarding COVID. Now, that might be more than you want at any given time, but it might be something, too, that kind of reminds you, if you want to be reminded, of what that time was like initially. 
And, uh, you know, as we're thinking about it and as maybe some things are upticking a little bit here, and I hope they don't uptick too much, it might be something, again, to reflect on. And there's so many more things there, many more topics that I think you might enjoy. So feel free. It's free. ChristianAppeal.com And now, let's focus on faith. Yes, I promise you, the past week or two have been surreal. Having done everything we prudently could do not to contract COVID-19, we managed to welcome the little beastie aboard, Delta variant, nasty guest. Prudence, I think, involves a needle times two. I'm not going to get political about this, and I'm not going to get pushy about this, To me, prudence involves a needle times two, and if a booster, needle number three, is offered, yes, please, as soon as possible. I'm glad most of my friends are happily inoculated. Not all. I love deeply more than a few who have chosen differently. I wish they'd reconsider. I'm not neutral about this. I'm happier when my motorcycle buddies are wearing helmets. But arguing won't help. For a number of times during this lovely experience, my inspired and inspiring attitude toward most of, quote, normal life could be summed up in surly tones muttered through an air passage crafted to reach my nose under sweat-dampened bed covers. Frankly, my dear, my dear here is Scarlet, not my personal dear. I refer you to the movie. But I just didn't care about much. I didn't care about much anything. I hurt too much. I was too miserable. But now I do. Yeah, I care. Frankly, my dear and my friends, I do give. Yes, I do. I care. And I sincerely tell you, you do not want this. Breakthrough as a noun can mean, aha, an answer, a cure, a sudden advance. But as an adjective, most usually these days, it refers to breakthrough COVID-19 infections, mostly at this moment Delta variant, that partially defeat the vaccine's protection and make folks sick. As I mentioned, my wife ended up spending four days in a big hospital after an eternal evening. I hear Charlton Heston's booming biblical tones And there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. Well, that was creation. We were just in a vastly overworked emergency department. At the time, they'd had 63 or so new COVID-19 patients in the hospital in about three weeks, as I recall the report. My wife was one of only two who had been vaccinated. I do like those odds. And her, quote, breakthrough was in a known category. No fun, but you can't say mysterious. Why I fell too is another question. Deceptively young, healthy, robust. Yeah, right. 
But the real control person in the test at our house is a vaccinated son who spent a lot of time with us and embodies the incredibly encouraging odds. Just fine. Swimming in COVID, and yet just fine. The vaccine held. I'm so grateful to our Father for the folks He's put around us who have been amazing. I'm immensely grateful my wife and I are on the mend. And as I've mentioned more than ever, I feel deep sympathy for the many whose pain and grief in this thing has been so much worse. And what a long thing it's been. Yet again, I discover that the spiritual big league is not my league, but that the miners and I are better suited. I really do trust God's counsel regarding blessings and growth in suffering. I also know that he loves us and understands us and is not shocked when in the midst of fever-induced aches, sweats, chills, coughing fits, pressurized heads, oh, that was the worst part, and COVID confusion, he might hear an utterance or two proceeding from under my blanket a whole lot less akin to praise the Lord than to a teeth-clenched, oh, shucks. It is God who is at work in us when faith grows even a little, And faith, the size of a mustard seed, Jesus says, is literally larger than Mount Everest compared to a virus particle. He didn't say that part, but it's true. I thank God that we've been able to deal with decisions regarding re-entering life and work when a nudge in the wrong direction could have changed the question in her case, will you consider going on a ventilator? I think it's almost time for that. They might have told us that. I don't think we would have been all that far from it in some situations. A lot of people haven't been at all far from it. A lot of people have been faced with exactly that decision. I honestly don't know for me what decision I personally would want to make. I don't know what decision I would want to make for loved ones. I would hope that my loved one would be conscious and able at that point to make that decision herself, himself, and yet it's a decision you don't want to have to make. What a tough thing. We thank God for the needles. I'm talking about the vaccine that spared her that. It spared me the hospital, I'm convinced. It spared our loved ones unnecessary pain. You can't know that, someone may say. I think we can. I think we can know that it's unlikely that the vaccinated will get the virus. Far, far, far less likely than for the unvaccinated. I think we can know. We've seen too many cases of this where those who do get the virus who've been vaccinated have far lighter cases than the other cases that are being seen. I really think we can know that. I'll bet you the odds our illnesses would have gone a much more difficult way if we had not been vaccinated, are much better than 50-50. At 50-50, I'll take the odds and not even break a sweat. And let me tell you, I'm good at breaking sweats these days. You're welcome to bet whatever you want to on your own pestilence, but that's my shot. Quick points. I don't do biblical curses except on really bad days. But for those who most want to politicize all of this, far left, far right, and loudly condescending toward any sense to be found in the middle, well, 
I'm sorry, but I hope it backfires. You hurt people, and you don't help. Wish you could have come to the house last week for cake and coffee and a good bit of handshaking. Just kidding. But a hopeful note here. I read a good article last week by a fellow whose work makes his opinion weighty to me. He didn't downplay the pain and the suffering wrought by this pandemic, but he reckons that the breakthroughs, there's that word again, genuine science is already reaping and will continue to reap, motivated by necessity, which really is the mother of invention, will be integral in saving an incredible number of lives and alleviating a lot of suffering in the not-at-all-distant future. I bet he's right. I think we're going to see some amazingly good things that come out of some of the things that we're learning right now in an amazingly difficult time. Side note, if you disagree with me on a lot of this stuff, then that certainly is your prerogative. I do have a lot of friends that have chosen differently, quite a few, Again, I think most of them are vaccinated, and I'm really, really glad for that. I am not in any way neutral on this, believe me. And if I was tempted to be, I'm less tempted than ever right now. But we don't have to agree on everything for us to love each other. And I know I've got some really loyal listeners to this podcast who've made some different decisions. I hope you'll still be a loyal listener because I want to still be a loyal friend. Thank you so very much. Uh, Your friendship is way more important to me than a needle prick even if it's an important needle prick. Another side note, I'll personally be surprised if at least a very few of the, quote, edgy treatments being kicked around now don't become surprisingly mainstream. I personally am steering clear of anything involving lizard droppings and fly wings, but I won't be surprised if somebody's not uh, recommending such. I mean, hey, these days that just seems crazily normal. But my money is still on my doctor's counsel, the needle. I do hope that optimistic columnist is on target, and why wouldn't we all hope that? I do know that I'm tired of this topic, and thankful no missing spot at the table brings it up again each morning. I hope the variant is a blip. I hope it's less trouble than a lot of folks think it will be. We'll see. I think I can almost certainly say with somewhat reasonable confidence that I'll write a lot less on this topic once I'm out of isolation. That's coming pretty close. In the meantime, I'm feeling a lot better, a lot less surly, and more thankful. If you think I'm full of prunes and completely mistaken, I hope you'll be quite thankful for being less mentally foggy than yours truly. Gratitude all around. Win-win. And whatever approach you take, My sincere prayer is that you and yours stay well. Well, again, thank you for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to join us, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? Sure would appreciate it. Have a great day.